Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor Study, and on this program we're going to talk about Christians and politics today. We're going to talk about abortion, homosexual marriage, and to help us on that topic, welcome Teresa Colette, Professor of Law at St. Thomas University. You're a law professor. I am, and, and I... She's kind of a, a walking encyclopedia about what's <laughs> happening right now. So everybody, uh, Teresa, we have just recently had the 40th anniversary of Roe versus Wade. How many babies just in the United States have we killed? Over 54 million. It and, is and, a and, huge tragedy. And to get our heads around that, that's like the states of Minnesota, you know, tons of states put them together, killed. That's how many abortions we've had. Yes. And in fact, a recent Planned Parenthood annual report uh, took credit for uh, committing almost 1 million abortions in the past year. Yeah. And they have stated in that report that in 2013, every one of their clinics will do abortions. How can, how can they do that? Because they can't find enough doctors that'll do abortions in Wyoming, for instance. So how are they gonna do that? Well, unfortunately, they're doing a couple of things. It used to be that all abortions were surgical abortions, and so you had to go to a set facility that had various equipment, et cetera. But now, with the use of RU486, which has created- the pill the abortion bill. right they call it a medical abortion and it's had several deaths attributed to it from toxic shock syndrome so many in fact that the FDA called a special meeting of all pro-abortion researchers but nonetheless even the FDA was concerned about it um, but what they're doing now is they are allowing nurses to use that to administer that pill. Is that legal? Well, they're connecting by telemedicine. They're using video to connect. To make abortion as easy <clears throat> as possible. And as accessible everywhere. And you know what was tragic to me? I'm sure we've got Democrats that are pro-life Democrats watching this show, but mostly now, these days, the Democratic Party, they used to have in their plank, we want abortion to be safe, legal, and rare. Last summer, they took the word rare out. Do you, right. want, to, you want to tell us why? Well, the idea there is that rare shows it's, dis, it's disfavored. It's considered, you know, an evil necessity or a tragic necessity. And I think that at least the leaders to whom President Obama is, uh, he owes them a great debt of gratitude for all of the electioneering they did for him. Mm -hmm. um, they celebrate abortion. You know, they've even had T-shirts that say, I'm proud of my abortion, mm -hmm. which is just tragic. <clears throat> What do you think, Teresa? The, the surprising to me, they've done polls, the young people in America are more pro-life than their parents. What happened? Why? Why is that? Well, a lot of people attribute that to ultrasound. Uh, the fact that we can see the baby in the womb. There are even women now that are having ultrasound parties so that their friends can. Mm. And there are some uh, centers for ultrasound in shopping centers where couples can go in and see the baby and the whole family oh, can come and that oh, sort of thing. Okay. So it's kind of hard to just call it a blob of tissue yeah. when you hear the baby's well, heart That's interesting because on the homosexual marriage thing, the young people are much more pro-homosexual marriage 
than older people. But on this one, you know, what I, what I wondered, do they realize, you know, I could be dead if, if abortion would have been done to me. You know, that, that was the other thing in my head. All right, well, you know, let's talk a, a minute about what happened uh, some time ago. Uh, in our, our nation, we reelected the most pro-abortion president in American history. Yes, we did. We also, in mm -hmm. the same election, what was it, Minnesota plus three, three other states now have voted for homosexual marriage and a passed, which has never been done. It's always been done by the state Supreme Court or, or by the legislature, but not by the population. That's new. And in Washington State, and I think in Oregon State, they have recreational, well, physician-assisted suicide, which is horrible, and now they have recreational marijuana use. I mean, were you as bummed as I was when we heard those election results? I was. I was. Honestly, Pastor, I thought we were going to win the marriage amendment in Minnesota. I thought it was going to be really close. I was worried about having to do a recount where we know that odd things happen like ballot boxes being found in trunks of cars, mm -hmm. etc. Um, but I honestly thought we'd won. We mm -hmm. would win. We won in 31 other states. Um, and the simple fact is that the other side had four times as much money as Where did that people. money come from? Well, from all over the country. Hollywood? And, oh, of course. I mean, there was money from uh, contributions from all sorts George of wealthy Soros? people. We don't, I don't know of any direct contributions okay. from George okay. Soros, but they had four times the amount of money we had, and unfortunately, they had a better ground game than we did. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, some of the leaders have said that um, the evangelical churches did not work on this issue nearly as yes. hard as their Catholic brethren and, brothers and, and sisters. And then I'll give you the other side of it. Then you have the big liberal ELCA Lutheran Church which came out against the amendment. Now, th to me, this is, here you have the Lutheran Church in Minnesota, the ELCA branch, right. saying we don't want to keep marriage one man, one woman. Bizarre. They voted like 95% in their, in their Minneapolis and St. Paul area synods that they didn't want to pass the marriage amendment. That made me so angry that these Lutheran leaders, the Lutheran bishops got up preaching against keeping marriage one man, one woman through the marriage amendment. Bizarre. Well, some of them justified it by uh, the, the campaign against the amendment slogan that, you know, marriage uh, isn't legal in Minnesota now, don't put it in the Constitution, you know, Constitution's about giving rights, mm -hmm. not taking away rights. Mm -hmm. I hope that people remember that and that it comes back to them this election because we know that Senator John Marty in this state yes. has vowed that they are going to vote on whether we redefine marriage in this state, yeah. and that's really problematic. And, and I can tell you tragically, some of those ELCA Lutheran leaders are going to be all for gay marriage. I can tell you that. And uh, it, it, these are tragic days. Again, if you would have told me when I was a little boy, the Lutheran Church would not be keep in favor of keeping marriage one man, one woman, I would have thought you were crazy. It's, to, it's today. But part of the problem is we have separated the idea of fertility and childbearing from marriage. Mm -hmm. We have 40% of the children born in this country now to single mothers. Isn't that something? And while some of those women go to heroic efforts to raise children that are happy and healthy and successful, um, the simple fact is that kids need a mom and a and dad. And a dad, not two dads, not just one dad or one mm -hmm. mom. 
They need them both. And dads need to be more than a pocketbook. This yeah. idea that, well, we'll get paternity from mm -hmm. him. We'll make him pay child support. Mm -hmm. That is not the same as being there to help with all of the things in life that come up with children, whether it's staying home with a sick child or it's teaching them how to, you know, mm -hmm. kick a soccer ball or doing math or a love of great literature, uh, you know. <sighs> so we have got to get... Um, the church yes. back to a biblical understanding of this connection of fertility and marriage. And we need to, we need to re-echo the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that fornicators, adulterers, idolaters, homosexual thieves, etc. will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes I ask people, has your pastor ever talked that it's a sin to have sex outside of marriage, the fornicators will not inherit the kingdom of God? Nobody hears this anymore. So part of this is the pastor's fault, the church's fault, because they never bring up that sex outside of marriage is a sin. I, I know I've heard of one pastor who says probably the best thing you can do to make sure you're compatible, have sex before you're married. Oh, for heaven's and that was sake. a pastor that said it. So 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, you don't go to heaven if you continue in this kind of thing. Well, but our U.S. Supreme Court seems to think it's some sort of constitutional right. In Christian Legal Society versus Martinez, there was a group of law students at a California law school that, like Christian legal societies throughout the country, they wanted their leadership to agree that they would live a biblically pure life insofar as their sexual activity. So no fornication, no, mm -hmm. no sex outside of marriage. And the university decided that that was outrageous and that they and you, had they to... They were discriminating. They were discriminating, and it went up to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the U.S. Supreme Court said you, that it's okay for the state to tell public university students that they can't make that distinction, even for the Christian Legal Society. And then we've got, you know, Lawrence versus Texas. We've got Griswold versus Connecticut. So, it, yes, the churches have failed in leadership, and because they have failed in leadership, Nine justices of the United States Supreme Court have tried to push it even further. And what's weird is, I mean, you're Catholic, I'm Lutheran. Right. Minnesota and, is overwhelmingly Catholic and Lutheran. Oh, I mean, we what, should have. And, and so it why did been an why, easy and, walk. and we re, we uh, and we elect someone like Mark Dayton as our governor and tell tell everybody what you told me before the show started, what he did uh, this last session. Last session, both houses of the Minnesota legislature, although both were dominated by Republicans, but we do have a fair number of pro-life Democrats in our state legislature. We Good. don't have any in Congress, no. but we've got a fair number okay. in our state legislature. And a bill came up that said that if a baby was going to be aborted at 22 weeks, five and a half months, at 22 weeks, it was absolutely illegal unless the mother's life was at stake or a substantial uh, bodily function, uh, substantial impairment of bodily function. Passed both houses, and Governor Dayton vetoed it. Governor Dayton thinks it's perfectly fine for a woman to have an abortion in the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, the ninth month of pregnancy mm -hmm. for any reason, apparently. Yeah. Are there any states where it is illegal to do an abortion after so many weeks? Yes. Okay. But for most states, mm. is, it is it legal up to the day of birth? It is. It Isn't is Isn't that incredible? It is, it is very, very tragic. Uh, uh, but so Idaho and a couple of other states, Arizona, the Ninth Circuit just struck down their 22-week ban. Of course, it's the Ninth Circuit. 
Wow. which is the worst possible well, circuit. So how do we understand this? We've got all these Lutherans and Catholics in Minnesota, and we, we vote in people that do not hold to pro-life values, the tra traditional marriage. What sh I, I've got my opinion, but what, why, do, why are we such a liberal state? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know, because it seems to me that it should be abundantly clear to anyone that the right to free speech, you know, the right to uh, private property, if you're not alive, you don't enjoy any of those. <laughs> I mean, it's, it seems to me it's just a necessary condition right. to protect the most vulnerable among us. And yet, and this state is big on that. That's all you hear about, you know, we've got to protect the vulnerable. We've got to protect Except our children. Except these vulnerable, the unborn. One of the most amazing ads that have come out for the right to, li to the right to life march that's always held in Washington D.C. Um, the commemoration of Roe is taking President Obama's speech after the shooting at Sandy Hook about how if we don't protect and take care of our children, nothing else will matter and putting it in the context of abortion. Mm -hmm. It is a moving, beautiful oh, rhetorical I speech. I bet it is. But it only, I guess, applies in the president's oh. mind after you're born. It doesn't apply well, when you're seven months. Well, let's, let's talk about this. A has anything changed? Before the election, President Obama was going to force Catholic institutions to pay for contraceptives. Has, and to me, I'm a Lutheran, but I, I will tell you, to me that is scary because what's he going to do next? Make us pay for abortions as Christians? You know, this kind of thing? And we already are in our, in our state of Minnesota because we have tax-funded abortions. But I've got news there, too. But okay. let me answer your first question. Please, yeah. What you're talking about is known as either the HHS mandate or the contraceptive mandate or the abortion-inducing drug mandate. Anything change? It has been challenged in all but two circuits. There are 60 a minimum of 60 plaintiffs. Some are Catholic, some aren't. In fact, Hobby Lobby, uh, a large retailer, has, uh, they are owned and operated by uh, evangelical Christians who are Protestants, and they said, we're not doing this. We are not providing as part of our insurance, which is intended to promote health for our employees, we are not providing abortion-inducing drugs, and fertility is not a disease. So we're not paying for that part either. Mm -hmm. um, they went to court. They lost in court. They are now trying to figure out how to avoid the heavy fines, so they may be changing the policy dates of their insurance and that sort of thing. But every court that's decided it on the question of whether you can force a, a person who has moral and religious objections, whether they're Catholic, whether they're evangelical, whether they're Orthodox Jewish, whether they're Muslim, every court that's decided it on the substance has said that we win. All right, and some people think Obama has backtracked a little bit from oh, this. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. He gave this fancy speech, and that is exactly all it is, is a fancy speech where he said, well, we won't make the actual employers pay for it. We'll only make their insurance companies pay for it. But here in Minnesota, for example, the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, mm -hmm. we self-insure. 
we don't have an insurance company in mm -hmm, that sense. Mm -hmm. Yes, the benefits are administered by Blue Cross Blue Shield, but they're simply, if you will, sort of our accountants. They make sure that the money goes where it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But the money comes from the archdiocese. And there are a lot of evangelicals that have sued on this oh too. My. Because the only exception are for those businesses that serve only their own Yeah, and Catholic, shared, Catholic hospitals serve everybody. Of course, Catholic yeah. charity. I mean, mm -hmm. and we are not, Christ did not say, before you help the widow and orphan, make sure you check their membership. Yeah, if they're Roman Catholics or not. I mean, that's absurd. So this, and then we voted him in again. Yes, we did. And it so was a great I, I disappointment. See, I, I believe, I could be wrong, I hope I'm wrong, I think the church in America will start to be persecuted again by this kind of thing, where if they force you as a pharmacist to give out the abortion pill and they force it by law, you lose your job. Uh, same with, with some, I mean, Catholic charities in Boston had to close their doors after, what, 40 years of giving orphans to couples because they wouldn't give it to a gay couple. They had to close their doors because of the law. Even so, though there were other adoption agencies right down the street who were perfectly yeah, happy so to this becomes mean spirited. And I think, you know, not, I don't want to say this, but it's the truth. The church in America needs persecution. We've become so impure with you got the ELCA Lutheran citing the ELCA Lutheran Church pays for abortion for any reason in its health care plan. We, I tried to change that when I was an ELCA Lutheran. We lost. So I don't want the persecution to come to the American church. We deserve it. You know, because a, a Chinese pastor said, uh, don't pray for an end of persecution because it purifies the church. So. Well, there, there's a saying within my faith community that... Um, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the faith. Yeah, right. There you and go. So you were going to tell us what happened with the uh, tax-funded abortion in Minnesota. Did something yes, new happen? Yes, there is an interesting lawsuit that's been filed in Hennepin County, where uh, a very enterprising lawyer asked for statistics under our Freedom of Information Act and looked at the fact that the reasons that the abortion providers were telling the Department of Health an abortion was done, because we have a very good reporting law, uh, and the number of checks cut for what the Minnesota Supreme Court called therapeutic abortions didn't match. Uh. We were paying for more abortions than those that would meet any sort of reasonable definition of therapeutic, mm. those that had no medical indication. And so they have filed a taxpayer's lawsuit saying that because the uh, state is paying for far more abortions than the Supreme Court mandated under Doe versus Gomez, that it shows that this idea that funding only therapeutic abortions simply will not work and that the Minnesota Supreme Court needs to reverse itself uh, and find that there is no and will this, state when right. will this be decided or discussed? We don't, uh, to my knowledge, there's not been a trial date set. But They're still doing preliminary jousting. A lot of states ban tax-funded abortions. Our Supreme Court, what, back in 94 or something? No, no, much when, earlier when than that? that. We were the first state in the union to find within our state constitution a right for taxpayer-funded abortion wow. in Doe versus Gomez. Wow. And the reasoning was just, it was absurd. The reasoning was that the state had two choices. We could either pay for abortion and pay for prenatal care, or we could quit paying for prenatal care. Because to the members of that Minnesota Supreme Court, an abortion was just another form 
of caring for a pregnancy. Ay, ay, ay. Is there any way to undo this in Minnesota? Well, if this lawsuit is successful, okay. possibly that. Or oh, that'll, that'll at least cut the, down the numbers, but it won't really change the decision, would it? It would eliminate, it is possible for the Minnesota Supreme Court to go back and reconsider the entire okay. case of Dover versus the, Has Gomez. the makeup of the court changed enough to? It has changed, although, you know, um, Governor Dayton just got his first uh, Minnesota Supreme Court appointment, um, and the longer he is in office, and he's been very clear he's going to run for re-election, the longer he's in office, the more he gets to appoint Supreme Court justices, the harder it will be Because he'll be, he'll be pr pr uh, promoting pro-choice candidates. I, he is... Uh, he vetoed the 22-week ban. I can't imagine that won't be one of his litmus tests. Uh, and again, tragic as this is in the government, to see deno Christian denominations paying for abortions in their health care plans, to me, is, is, is just... Uh, well, let's go to the next question then, talking about this, the National Supreme Court. Right. You know, I, I read recently, for the first time in American history, there's not one Protestant right. on the Supreme Court. It's right. overwhelmingly Catholic. Uh, they hold themselves out that way. That's the question. <laughs> that was my question for you. You have uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who I think is Jewish. Yes. And then, and then, do the rest of them, or are there, uh, do the rest of them claim to be Catholic? Well, I'm running through it in my mind. Um, well, here's, Kagan. I don't think Kagan is Catholic. Okay. Here's my question. The when o uh, President Obama now will be able to select his Supreme Court nominations. Are any people close to retiring, to your knowledge? Well, I know that Justice Ginsburg has had health problems, as has her husband. Okay. Uh, so that's a possibility. Uh, and I know that, sadly, Justice Scalia has expressed, oh. you know, some exhaustion. <laughs> okay. Uh, so if it's Ginsburg, uh, then we're just trading a liberal right. for a liberal, yeah. but we are trading a young liberal who will have a longer, you know, period on the court. Mm -hmm. um, if it's Scalia, it will be a major problem. Oh, my. Well, I will tell you, it's interesting when, years ago, when George Bush would nominate someone, the more liberal press would say, are you going to make it a litmus test that they're pro-life? Right. But when Obama appoints someone, you don't hear that. Are you going to make it a litmus test that they're pro-choice? I don't oh, hear that. Oh, it's crystal clear yeah. that he has made yeah, it a yeah. litmus test. And, and that's the other problem. So we've got a press that is way biased to the left. You do have exceptions like Fox News. But overwhelmingly, ABC, NBC, CBS, I watch the evening news, and I just want to scream sometimes. I don't think they're doing it intentionally. They're just so into that mindset. This is the way they would report the news. I like a little objectivity. And have... Have you received fair, because I know you've been interviewed a lot, have you received fair treatment by the press? Spotty. Uh-huh. Uh, there have been times, certainly when I ran for Congress, um, the Minneapolis paper was very uh, difficult. Uh, Star Tribune. And, but my uh, district was in the Pioneer Press. Oh, I was in okay. St. Paul. Oh, I got you. Uh, or the district that I was running in. And uh, the Pioneer Press was very fair to oh, me. Were they? Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, you're, you're a Catholic, I'm a Lutheran, and God bless the Catholic Church because the bishops, uh, before the election, took a very clear stand for traditional marriage. Sadly, the ELCA Lutheran Church took a very clear stand against traditional marriage, which again, I've got to say it, this ain't my grandma's Lutheran Church. Do you see any, I, I mean, I'm going to give you an opinion and tell me what you think. I don't see America turning around. 
I don't see that we're going to just turn around and become pro-life, pro-traditional marriage. I see it getting worse as I look in the future. What do you think? Do you I, see any signs? I do. Okay. I do. I see Be some. Be hopeful. I, I do. Preach I it, see sister. Some, <laughs> I see some cause. You know, the young people, as you yourself mentioned, are more pro-life than the middle-agers, right? Uh, the young people have not given up on marriage. They're just afraid of marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, there is now a consensus among opinion makers, for whatever good that is, mm -hmm. um, that marriage is something that the country needs and that the further we go down this road of destroying marriage, uh, the more we're going to see an increase in poverty, poor academic performance, poor health, et cetera. So we're seeing, we're seeing at least in the universities, crazy as they are, uh, an affirmation that no-fault divorce has been an absolute disaster. Yeah, it sure has. Um, so I do see some. I, I see some real impatience among the young people mm -hmm. with the sort of uh, laissez-faire. There is a chastity movement afoot, mm -hmm. which is stunning. Amen. Uh, and yep. it's terrific. Yep. Um, there's a new magazine for young women that uh, is called Verily. Mm -hmm. uh, verily, verily, I say unto you. Okay. Uh, but it shows modest fashions, and it's mm -hmm. trying to compete with trash, yeah. like Cosmo. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So there's some good signs too. Well, and we know that nothing's going to change if we give up the fight. No, no, we, I'm not saying we give up. <laughs> you know? I'm not saying we give up either. I'm just saying it. It. We win for sure when Jesus comes down in the clouds. That's when we win. <clears throat> True. We're not totally guaranteed victory, but. I want to be found doing his work when he comes exactly. down, not giving up. Exactly. Well, Teresa, God bless you. Thanks Thank so much. You. And And we got about a minute, 30 seconds. You have some uh, pro-life uh, group. I do. Go ahead, I am the uh, director of the Pro-Life Center at the University of St. Thomas. And on February 7th, if you live in the Twin Cities, we have a magnificent speaker named Helen Alvarez. Uh, she was former pro-life uh, secretariat speaker for the USCCB, oh. uh, Columbia law grad, beautiful woman. She's going to talk about why the HHS mandate actually hurts women rather than improves it. So Good. 7.30 at the University of St. Thomas Student Anderson, Anderson Students. Well, thank you, Teresa. And you know, everybody, we just need to pray for America. So we've got, we got 30 seconds. Would everybody bow and let's just take a moment to pray. Father, we pray for the state of Minnesota, somehow that the legislature, the uh, Supreme Court, would somehow, by a miracle of your grace, protect unborn human life, protect traditional marriage. We do pray, Lord, that homosexual marriage will not become a reality in this state, and you would move Catholics, Lutherans, Evangelicals to vote and to voice their opinions in a way that uh, affirms your truth of the Scripture. Lord, we pray nationally for America, for a Supreme Court that would be pro-life, for legislatures to, to vote in the direction that would honor you. Lord, we, we just pray that you help each of us as Christians to stand up, to open our mouth, and not be quiet. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Teresa, and God bless you, everybody. See you next time on The Pastor Study. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.